Arizona in just the last few minutes. A federal judge has denied a major lawsuit requesting a restraining order against Clean Elections USA. Remember them? That's a group whose members are accused of participating in voter intimidation tactics, such as wearing camouflage at drop boxes in recent days there. The judge's decision effectively gives permission, at least for now, for the harassment and filming that has been reported that we've shown you all week long of voters in Arizona who are legally submitting their early ballots to drop boxes. Many are accused of illegally intimidating them, with six complaints now referred to the U.S. Department of Justice. It comes as NBC News is reporting today from our friends Ben Collins and Don Hilliard about how all this so unraveled much, online. Which, which voice can I take less of? Is it Morning Mika or Nicole Wallace? Um, First of all, Nicole Wallace is lying. A federal judge did not agree with that at all. So it was totally inside the law. There was no intimidation. Let's bring in Melody Jennings from Clean Elections. And, and Melody, I know you got an announcement. You can We can do it at the top or you can do it at the bottom. You figure it out. I'm going to say it now and then we can get into the sauce. Uh, real sure. quick, I just tell Arizona uh, Citizens Clean Elections Commission that we are on the same side of the law, wanting to protect citizens and Americans and their right to vote. And we're happy to not go by Clean Elections USA in Arizona. So we don't want there to be any confusion, but uh, thankfully all of us are working to protect you, the voters. So in Arizona, we won't go by that. We still will on a national level, but we're going to you know, just rebrand a little bit just for the borders of Arizona. Fine. By the way, very magnanimous of you. Um, what the purpose is, is you guys are just trying to play within the rules, right? Whatever it is, stand off from the boxes. Ones that are not inside uh, voting places or, or, or private places, the ones that are out there, and just make sure that everybody, since they say, oh, it's got a camera, but you're saying a camera can't be used if you make a challenge. So um, well, tell us what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, so thankfully we won in federal court yesterday because the judge came down on the right side of the First Amendment and the Constitution, and, and that's a win for every American. And that's even a win for the ones of us who don't understand what we're doing and thinking that, you know, we're out there doing something unlawful. We're actually protecting you. And I want to say that we're out there protecting your vote. Wave at us, say hi, say thank you. We're going to have signs out there starting today, hopefully, that say thank you for voting, because that's exactly why we're there is to protect your vote. Whether you're voting Democrat or Republican or Libertarian, Independent, it does not matter. We're here because we love you and um, because we want to continue to protect the rule of law. Uh, if you don't believe no. there was any, that's okay. Some of us do. So that's why we're here. Melody, you guys have been very nice about – what are you guys going to do? Are you getting tired of the defamatory statements of MSNBC, particularly people like Nicole Wallace personally that are defaming uh, American citizens every day? What's your take on that? I'm tired of the propaganda, Steve. I'm tired that nobody actually comes and asks and say, what are you really about? They don't actually go out onto My True Social and find out what it's about. They just – I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to become famous on this. Uh, they want to write the next biggest hit piece so that they can get in on the, the cash out. And I, I just think that's, you know, unfortunately, doesn't really show much character. We just we want to love and be kind. Um, I, I, you know, come ask me. And I, I think that they're leading some people astray who don't really uh, hear and understand. They should come and have a conversation instead of just going for a hit. OK, uh, Melody, how do people sign up? How do they join? A lot more people want to do this. We've been inundated with people. So where do they go to, to join your cause? To join the cause, except it's not called this in Arizona now, but everywhere else nationwide, it's cleanelectionsusa.org. Um, that is still our website. And if you are 
in 49 of the <laughs> 50 states. That's the name of, of our organization. That is still our website. Uh, for Arizona, let's call it the Dropbox Initiative, which is how we started out. Um, but that is the okay. website. You can, I don't need any more people in Arizona, honestly, so it's okay. Arizona, great going, uh, Melody, and throughout the country. Honored to have you on here. Keep fighting. Look, talk, look forward to talking to you Monday. My pleasure, Steve. Okay. Thank you. Remember, um, we're going to get two-thirds of the vote here. We're blowing through every part of the country. We've expanded the battlefield. We've pierced uh, New England. We've uh, pierced New York State is in play. In fact, big article this morning in the Washington Examiner, James Antle the third, the great reporter over there, going about how the entire house can be flipped just in New York state alone. I think they got 15 seats in play. I want to bring in Bill McGinley. Bill's one of the top election lawyers in the country. I remember him from our coverage two years ago, three November, Bill McGinley, Raheem and I froze us. <laughs> We're freezing up there. Bill stayed with us till three o'clock in the morning, walked through all the election issues. It was on the show every day after that to talk about what the issues were. Bill, uh, you're in your wisdom right now. I want to walk through how we got here. What should people, this is what I wanted to do with the Saturday with 10 days ago, 11 days to go. Um, what should be people looking for? Give us the history, how we got here. This is a, we've turned out a massive army of volunteers to be both poll workers, poll watchers, election officials, obviously the get out the vote. We have people working phone banks on everything, but this time, like in, in, unlike November in 2020, it's one thing to win the deal. You then got to close the deal. We need to close here. So how are we going to do it, sir? Well, first of all, the atmospherics. I think that the Biden administration and the Democrats just haven't listened to the American people and understand um, the struggles that they're facing, both in terms of inflation, economy, crime, uh, immigration on the border states. So, you know, Arizona, New Mexico looks like we could have a competitive election down there. Um, you also have uh, Texas and some of the others. Um, I think. But hang, hang on a second. You've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen, because you remember after 20 November, every split town, I mean, they had the House, they had the Senate, they had they had big tech, they had Wall Street, they had the global corporations, they had the executive branch, they had everything. You couldn't have a better hand of cards. Have you ever seen uh, people not listen, not really focus on what the real problems of the country is, are, exacerbate those problems, but also not listen to the American people about what's important to them? Um, not like this. And that's why I think, you know, Democrats, if you look at what they're focusing on, it's abortion. Um, it's, you know, a lot of these Democratic cultural issues. And Republicans, on the other hand, are the top three issues, inflation, economy, uh, crime, immigration, parents' rights, um, are, are leading the way in every national and district and state poll. It's what uh, the kitchen table issues that American families are focused on every night. Do we have enough money to get to, to pay the gas to get to work? Do we have enough money to be able to keep the kids in extracurricular activities after schools? You know, what are my kids being taught in school and what sort of influence can I have on that um, without being labeled either a domestic terrorist or somebody who doesn't have the right or opportunity to provide input um, into what's happening in our kids' education. We want them to be taught how to think, not what to think. Um, and if you talk to parents across the nation, it just they just feel like they're under siege um, on all sides. Uh, then when you have uh, a lot of Democratic candidates and this White House um, who come out and talk about abortion, um, talk about uh, supposed so legislative... Radical, so radical. Yeah, and supposed legislative achievements that weren't passed on a bipartisan basis that really just, you know, were the Green New Deal... Um, in disguise, 
um, you're going to see, you know, the American people just believe that they're out of touch and they're not addressing the issues that are actually impacting their daily lives. Let's, let me go back to parental rights because I saw this in Youngkin. In fact, in April of 2021, I said that the school boards and the moms are going to be the key that picks a lock. Then it was about mass mandates. Fauci had just come out and, and given us the forewarning on the vaccines that were going to take place during the fall and really for the children that winter into 2022. In addition, CRT was just starting to come up. Is that parents' rights movement give us a whole new element that we can add to MAGA, add to the Trump movement to get you to the 55, 60% in some of these districts? Look, all of the top issues are going to be the ones that unite MAGA and the establishment Republicans uh, because they're the issues that they're all concerned about. Um, I really think that parents' rights is something that's not going away after this election. I think it's going to carry forward to 2024. Um, well, you see I, this in Virginia where the, where the school boards and the librarians are, are testing uh, uh, Youngkin right now. You know, he's passed a couple of executive orders, and we, we have parents on here all the time from the Commonwealth that they're, they're full on in a, in a challenge. I mean, that side's not backing down, yeah. right? The, school, the teachers' unions, these radical school boards, and the librarians, they got their plan, and they're going to test you at every – this thing's not going away for a while. It's not going to be – and by the way, it's not going to be solved by any one school board. We have Tiffany Justice, the people on election night that are going to do, we're going to cover school boards like we're covering congressional districts, but just taking these seats on school boards is not the sole answer. Yeah. I mean, the ultimate fiduciary is going to look out the most for the children are their parents. Um, they're the number one group uh, that's going to ensure that a child gets a great education and learns the skill sets to be able to survive and, and thrive in the real world. Um, it's not some of the virtue signaling that we see um, where kids aren't being taught this. We've see, we see the studies are coming out now as a result of the pandemic um, where, you know, basic uh, uh, skill sets that they should be learning in school, they're at historic lows. Um, these kids, you know, two and a half years of being shut down in some of these jurisdictions um, have really woken up the parents to ask the question, what sort of education is my child going to get receive um, at the public school or even some of the private schools for that matter? Um, and so parents have really been activated and I think they're really upset. And I think it's one of the things that uh, the Democratic Party and some of these candidates who refuse to debate to discuss these issues, um, but also refuse to discuss these issues um, in voter contact, you know, whether it's the town halls, et cetera. Um, it's, these are the issues that are really going to determine this election. In fact, we're going to have at 11 o'clock Pastor Bernadette Smith from Dearborn, Michigan. They're doing a unity rally. Tudor Dixon's going to be there, Tulsi Gabbard tomorrow. We're going to promote this later today, but it's exactly the fundamental thing is about these issues about schools. You've got a number of African-American pastors, a number of uh, Muslim uh, officials are going to join. This is going to be quite an event in Dearborn, Michigan today, and uh, Bernadette, uh, Bernadette Smith is going to join us, and it's exactly this issue, right? It's about yeah. parental rights. And look, it's a parents' rights issue because parents are really concerned about their individual children. But I think at some point we need to look at the failure of the education system and what's happened, uh, not only as a result of the pandemic, but some of the policies that have been put in place pre-pandemic and afterwards. When do we start looking at this as a national security issue? How does America compete in the future if the children of America are not learning uh, the STEM subjects, uh, really focusing on math and engineering and some of the skills that we're going to need to compete with China, with Russia and others into the future. I mean, we need to start taking a long view of the education issue as opposed to just what's happening right in front of us on the cultural stuff, because we as a country need to better educate our children. 
given the fact we put together this coalition, we got a great get out the vote. Everybody's we got the right issue set that people hung tough on and didn't change it. You know, we knew it was happening. People were, were, did a great job of doing this. We got candidates. Not everybody's totally happy with the candidates. The establishment's not totally happy. We're not totally happy, but it's a pretty good team. We fielded right. It's all about getting across the goal line. How do we then? close the deal how do we not have a, a, a redo of 2020 where people are bitter they're 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 concerned they say does my vote count what it, what do we do to make sure in the next 11 days we've done everything possible to make sure this can't happen again number one own your vote you have to turn out to you vote. were the first guy that actually came up with that term yeah own the vote what yeah. does that mean uh basically what that means is understand the voting system uh in your state how you can vote um, you know, if you can't make it on election day, then vote early. If it's in person and you feel comfortable with that, make the time to go do it. One of the, in a couple of minutes we got left. There's obviously a big controversy in the MAGA movement. You have the Mike Lindell uh, side of the argument, the gateway pundit that say, no, if you get if you do it early, they can mess with the algorithm. And and, and what and, and for people to say, oh, no, that's crazy talk. What concerns us is when P Pennsylvania comes out and, and I think we get that clip. We'll play in another block. Pennsylvania comes out yesterday and says, hey, it's not going to be, you're not going to know on the evening of the 8th. You're probably not going to know the next day. Probably not, and NBC sitting there going, it's probably going to be Friday or Saturday. Right there, people go crazy. So counter the argument of Lindell and these guys that if you vote early, even if you vote in person, it gives those guys a, a better shot to mess with the algorithms, to do whatever they got to do to come up with the vote they want. Number one, you can't change the direction of this country if you don't vote. So if you sit on the sidelines, you're basically outsourcing the decision-making about the future of this country to your neighbors, who you may not agree with. You have to vote. How do you have faith in the, in the process so you have confidence in the results? Transparency. Transparency of the process. Republicans and Democrats should have watchers at every step of the process so that both parties are satisfied that it was a fair process, uh, that every vote was counted, that's legal, Right. Um, and that's so the only, results are only, an accurate only, reflection. Only, cert only certifiable votes count, and it's both parties sitting in a room making both sure that happens. Both parties should be there. I mean, there should be full transparency on the process. What about the argument? We got a minute left. What about the argument about voting early versus the guys say no game day vote? You saw this in Arizona. Remember, Kerry Lake at midnight in Arizona was down by ten points because mm -hmm. it was a game day vote. Now, by three o'clock in the morning, she was tied and went across, but. She had, I think, 80% of the game day vote, some enormous thing. What about, wait, I tell you what, I want you to wait after the break. After the break, what about this thing of people say MAGA should only vote on game day, right? If you give it, if you vote early, they're going to give the bad guys a way to kind of, to, and then when you got Pennsylvania saying, I mean, how can Pennsylvania sit there and look at us and say, it's going to be Friday? And, and, and MSNBC is laughing. Oh, it's going to be Friday. It's going to take a while. You're not going to hear it on game, you know, on the short break. Bill McGinley is going to join us right after the break. To the end, just watch and see It's all started Everything's begun And you are over Cause we're taking down The CCP Spread the word all through Hong Kong We will fight till they're all gone We rejoice when there's no more Let's take down the CCP the dreaded timeline question when we might get results out of Philadelphia, one of the bigger uh, populations in the state. It is not going to be on November 8th. We will not get results out of Philly on election night, Katie. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to remind folks. Uh, don't expect the election results yeah. to come in immediately. Uh, like 2020, it takes some time to count the mail-in ballots, to count the early voting, especially in counties or, or, or states like, like where Dasha is, where you can't start it 
uh, before election day. Yeah, she told me she's been working in elections her entire life. Never before has she had to have conversations with the FBI and with Homeland Security mm. uh, before election day. The climate really has changed. And I did also, Yasmin, ask the dreaded question about timeline. Yeah. We will not this be is, expecting results on. This is all their, their, their voter suppression. Okay, brother, you were with us on the evening of 3 November. How are we two years afterwards? And do you, did you ever think we'd be two, 10 days from the second anniversary? And, and in Philadelphia, in the Johnson, Arizona also, that it's going to be not Tuesday, but Wednesday, Thursday, maybe Friday, maybe three or four days afterwards. How did that happen? No, look, I think I think we've hit the point in this country where it's unacceptable for election administrators to say that it's going to take seven to 10 days to count the votes. I think this is something that when Republicans take over the House, the House Admin Committee needs to take a serious look at to see how this can, this type of thing can be improved. Because it's only a limited number of jurisdictions that are holding up the vote totals in the announcement of the votes. Um, the it's vo- some random like Michigan, right. Pennsylvania, it's just but, some random. But remember, you know, in 2000, in, in the presidential recount in Florida, there were, you know, the, the Democrats cherry picked the counties that they wanted to have recounted to try and get Al Gore over the finish line, even though he was down about 500 votes out of millions cast. There were a couple of counties that they chose that were, frankly, not run very well, right? Fast forward to 2018, the Rick Scott uh, recount, where he was up by around 12,000 votes, and the Democrats still filed a recount, even though it was 12,000 votes. Um, And, you know, some of the same counties came into play, and even the Democrats finally said, you know what, we're tired of defending you, and got rid of them. Um, and tried to improve the it. And administ- now the administrators. the administrators. And now Florida is doing a pretty good job of getting their vote totals in on election night, if not shortly thereafter, um, so that people can have confidence in the result. Fully transparent process. You're going to have watchers from both parties. They're going to be able to view the ballots and the process that's used. But here's the thing. Count I, the okay. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, yeah. but here's the thing. I'm not, I don't like the fact they count before. And here's why. I'm afraid that word leaks out and people can get depressed or anything like that. I want to count all the votes. First, I don't like all this early voting, but if you have to have it, all the votes start getting counted at one time. And and they just have to do better and have to get more people and be more efficient, like Francis. Get people in the room and let's just do it. And if it, 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 we'll get it late that night or early the next morning. Why can Philadelphia, why can Pennsylvania, with all the issues we had in Pennsylvania, and now you had the 255,000, you know, see, uh, Frank Ryan, it, we, by the way, this audience, the volunteers you've had are unbelievable. And hitting that number, let's uh, Captain Bannon and Grace. Let's get the uh, volunteer uh, uh, website up for Frank Ryan and the people in uh, Pennsylvania to go to the counties now. Two hundred fifty-five thousand ballots go out that are not verified. I mean, come on, you know they haven't gone out to the voters yet. But this is when people see that, right? And they see that the the, the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania is still not on top of things. They see Katie Hobbs, all the problems you've got in Arizona still. What are people to do? I think that's where you participate in the process. Democracy is a participatory process. It's not a spectator sport. And so I think, you know, a lot of the people who are signing up um, to help volunteer for the election, people who are signing up um, to be watchers for the candidates and parties, receive the proper training, conduct yourself in a polite but firm manner, um, follow the rules, um, and be the eyes and ears of everybody um, so that if there is an issue, it can get resolved in court. Um, if there's not an issue, then at least we had a fair and transparent process so people can have confidence in the results. This is, this is where the, the citizen participation in the democracy that, that, that we hold dear uh, in the election process really matters. 
Um, and we want to make sure that we have full coverage. We want them to have full coverage because if there's an issue, we want to get it resolved so that the votes are counted um, and people can have confidence in the result. By the way, in the Yunkin uh, situation, uh, in the in the 2020, there was only, I think, 26 percent uh, involvement of poll workers, not poll watchers, but poll workers and election officials. In the last gubernatorial, there was only 25 percent. We had 95 percent participation in Yunkin. That's what we got to do. And I think we're going to I think we're going to have it that numbers with all the different groups. The RNC has been doing training. Tea Party Patriots, Cleta Mitchell, CPI, the Conservative Partnership Institute and many, many others. We have people on every day uh, to call for volunteers on that part. And we still need you. And you want to participate on that evening of the victory, right? On the evening of the victory, you want to be able to sit there and go, hey, I just wasn't watching War Room or Fox or whatever. You want to say, hey, I did this. I, I worked this phone bank. I did this guy at the vote. I knocked on these doors. Or I was in the room around the table when we had to make the tough decisions about the signature verifications and the dates and everything like that. So, since we don't want to get it to a federal level to have to solve this, how do we put more muscle into the state? You know, the, the, the Supreme Court's going to have this massive um, uh, ruling this year on independent state legislatures, which has the left completely melting down. Right. But it's really the state legislature's issues. You remember in the huge fights we had from three November to, to inauguration day or six January, it was all about the state legislature's role. What can we do at a state level to get more engaged here and get this stuff sorted? Look, I think, you know, Georgia, number one, took a look at the process and, and adopted a rule, enacted a rule um, so that it was easier to vote and harder to cheat. Um, and it really did uh, a, an amazing job. Um, a lot of corporations rebelled against that law, uh, pulled out the MLB All-Star. That was Jim Crow. Right. Nobody's going to vote. Right. No, don't they have record primary, turnout? Primary participation, voter participation went through the roof. Exactly. Um, early voting in Georgia has gone through the roof. Um, it may even hit presidential level um, down in Georgia, even though they enacted this law. So, number one, Jim, don't, Jim, they were Jim Crow laws, right? Yeah. Suppressive. And this, and this, this is why you know, democracy is a participatory process. Not only because number one, you have to vote. Number two, you need to participate in the process. Be a force multiplier. Um, you know, call ten uh, friends and family members who are like minded, and make sure that they get out to vote, and then ask them to call another ten. Right? Well, you, you need to be the greatest get out the vote machine. Uh, that this country has ever seen. You just need to get your neighbors and family members to the polls and make sure that they cast their ballot. Um, but the other thing that, that you know, it's, it's studying the candidates and the issues. Don't buy what's being reported. Do your own research. Look at source documents, right? Um, you know, that's one of the things that I always tell people. Don't buy the spin. Go to the source and, and look at what it actually says. Voter ID is about an 80-20 issue um, in this country. It's, it's a reasonable uh, uh, request for people to vote. 80-20 uh, means it's a bipartisan support. Um, and so I think, you know, some of these voter um, things that, you know, people are beginning to do to try and give people more confidence in the process, um, you know, I think we need to, 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 to look at that at the national level, not because we want the federal government to take over, but because we want to create a record of what's working and what's not. Right? How do we prevent the long lines at the polling place? How do we make sure that the ballots are cast are, are counted in a timely manner? How do we make sure that people have confidence and faith in the process and full visibility and transparency so that when they have a question about what happened, they know that they can go to somebody who said, yeah, this was perfectly fine. Or no, there was an issue and we reported it up through the chain of command uh, and we were able to go to court and get it corrected. 
And so, you know, all of this stuff matters. Um, and it's just part of the election process. The other thing is um, elections have changed in America because of the pandemic. Uh, some of the emergency measures that were put in place that, you know, the Democrats sued in almost all the states to try and get, you know, absentee and mail. But that's, how, that's why I still get the emergency measure. They shouldn't yeah. have any, they shouldn't have any pandemic related stuff. Should, but none of that should be in right. place. But that's going to be a fight. And that's why we need to elect a Republican Congress. What do you mean it's going to be a fight? Well, I think if we were to send that over to the House administration or the Senate Rules Committee uh, for them to look at, the Democrats are immediately going to attack it in the same way that they attacked the Georgia law. You're trying to repeal it and make it harder for people to vote. This is going to have a disparity. You're talking about the mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots. we got to stop We got to stop the mail-in ballots. Yeah. we got to get back to the, the absentee ballot. Don't you agree you've got to stop the mail-in ballots? The mail-in ba- this is why Pennsylvania is so screwed up. You shouldn't have these type of mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots just cause problems. First off, they make the administration of it so tough, make the counting of it so tough. California, California, people don't know, California still got the thing. If it's if it's postmarked by the 8th, if it comes in by the 15th, it counts. Right. I mean, people don't understand right now. We think we got a problem with, um, thank God the House does not depend upon California, but we're not going to know these Californians, some of these tight House races for a week afterwards because right. they've still got the pandemic rule. Right. And see, you know, and it's ironic. Because you agree all those should come out. All the all the mail-in ballot crap that was put in for the pandemic should come out. Yeah. I mean, for early voting, I'm a big fan of the, the in-person um, early voting if somebody is not going to be available to vote on Election Day. Do, um, you, do, you, do you agree? I mean, Kate, um, the great Carrie Lake is saying it shouldn't be voter month. It shouldn't be shouldn't be election month, election week. It should be election day. We should get back to paper ballots on a game day vote. That's the war room's position is that I realize we're on a couple of items were a little hardcore. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with, you still think they ought to have early voting? I think you should have early voting. I think people who aren't available on election day should have the option to be able to show up uh, and cast their ballot. And I think, you know, whatever the rules of the game are right now, I think you should understand those rules uh, and, and make sure that your supporters play by those rules um, and make sure your voters are getting out and casting their ballot. One thing we were not, one thing, uh, one thing, uh, 11 o'clock? Yes. Yeah, fine. That's perfect. Uh, Dr. Latipo is going to join us at 11 a.m. now, the Surgeon General of Florida, about this really amazing decision yesterday at the medical board. He's going to be here to explain it all to us. Um, we're going to go to break. When we come back, in 16, you were you were part of the 16 with, with Don McGann. We were ready to go with challenges immediately if the Clintons pulled any nonsense. We didn't have to do that, okay? Although we won in a couple of states relatively razor thin. But we were ready. In 20, they just weren't ready. They, you, you had won the Election Integrity Project, you and Raheem, we had gone around. You had been great in breaking that down about how we had to be worried about it. They just were not ready. Are people, do you believe, because the legal aspect of this is big, are people ready to go into action immediately upon seeing anything legally into the courts. Short commercial break. Back with Bill McGinley in a moment. War Room. Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. 
Okay, uh, MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM, the armor-piercing shell. You cannot get these products in Walmart. You cannot get them in Bed Bath & Beyond. You can't get them in any big box. You can't get them on the shopping channels. Why? Because Mike Lindell is fearless in fighting for election integrity. It's costing, I don't know, 50% of his business. Make sure you go to MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM. We got all the sales today. It'll blow you away. Buy one, get one free sales. Are you where? MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM. McGinley, you're kind of a revered figure here. You're, 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 you're the stability when we talk about this stuff because p- this gets very emotional very quickly. And what I love about you, you're calm down. Everybody take a deep breath. Here's what we're going to do. Bill was a senior member of the Trump White House and was always the cabinet secretary, always calming people down. Walk us through uh, what we should be doing here in your mind, and particularly this thing with the legal being ready, the challenges that got to happen, the recounts, all of it. Yeah. I mean – there's a pretty simple formula to being able to formulate a recount team. Now, people call it a recount team, but really what it is, is uh, making sure you have the manpower to observe the voting process, the receipt of the ballots, um, the counting of the ballots if it's happening now, for absentee ballots and mail-in ballots, the review of the outer envelope to make sure that the uh, the voter identified on the uh, outer uh, uh, envelope is in fact registered to vote and who they say they are. There's enough information to identify them there. And then the opening of the ballot to, to see it run through the machine or put into the pile to be counted later. Stop right there. Yes. That is Philadelphia on the night of the third. This is the single biggest problem in all these. You had the two here, and the judge had already ruled. That's what Rachel Maddow had the long face that it had to be verified. The outside envelope and the inside. We had the rules the way as bad as this mail-in ballot was. The rules were as good as they could be, given that we hate mail-in ballots. Right. Right. It didn't work, and the reason was our observers were pushed out behind the chain link right. fence. In the case that that happens, that you have an observer team. But the observer team can't get there to see the signature verification or cannot see uh, the, 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 the voter, the number, the voter IDs. This is the problem with the 255 right now. Right. And, and what are they to do? Yeah. Well, look, state parties, county parties, candidates, um, and there, this happens on the Democratic side, I know. Um, they need to be communicating with the uh, with the election, the registrars that actually run the counting locations, not only to understand what their process is for how they're going to actually count these ballots, uh, but it's even gotten to the point where we need to have the floor plan so that you can understand where the observers are going to be allowed to be. Um, and is it going to be 20 feet away outside the room like it was uh, during the pandemic and at the height of the pandemic in 2020? Um, or are you going to be with an eye shot and have line of sight? Um, on what's actually happening on the table. And so those are the types of things, the information you want to gather pre-election day, pre-count, so that you can understand where the people are going to be. Because if you have to go to court, you can go to court uh, to try and resolve it. The other type of litigation that's commonly coming up now because of the prevalence of mail-in ballots, the Democrats sue the uh, post office. And the reason that they sue the post office is because they want the the, the central locations to go through the warehouse to try and find um, any election mail that hasn't been delivered. Um, and so my guess is that sometime this week, if there's any sort of evidence of problems with the post office and ballots not getting uh, to the location on time, you're probably going to see some lawsuits uh, from the Democrats and potentially the Republicans. Um, if, you know, your data says we've got a bunch of people who have submitted mail-in ballots, but they're not getting to the location, the post office needs to search for it. Um, one of the things that's that's very critical to understand about recounts, and like I said, this also includes the the count, is that there's really six members of the team, right? 
Lawfare or the legal component of it is like five to ten percent, and usually the lawyers are going to come in and be visible. People think the lawfare part, of the legal, is the whole is, thing. One hundred percent, it's the whole thing. It's not political, right? I'm just going to tell you the yeah. tell you the members, the political department, the data department, which is probably Huge. the the most, the most critical component. Yeah. Comms. There's a certain way to message um, election information if you're down or if you're up. If you're on offense, if you're down. If you're on defense, if you're up. Legal, self-explanatory. Finance. It takes a lot of money to do this. You've got to raise the funds to be able to get people where they need to go. And the other one that's really critically important is uh, admin or administrative. And why? Because there's the there's the massive movement of people to locations yeah. and making sure you have coverage, um, and that they're showing up. And so you know, hang on, go back to the most important of that that we data. always hear is data. Tell data. us about that. You've been a, you're an animal about data. Why is that important? Because we need to have an understanding of the get out the vote operation. Where are there gaps? Where are there anomalies? If we if we had an expectation in a precinct or a city that we were going to get X number of votes, why? Because of voter contact, uh, people receiving the mail, you know, uh, an absentee ballot because they're not going to be around, people going in and, and voting, um, and, and we're looking at it, but the vote totals aren't matching up. So one of the things that that campaigns and parties um, should be doing and thinking about is when you have people who are in the polling locations, if you have people who are going to be witnessing, observing the process, is making sure that they can collect um, what were the poll book records, not a copy of them, but what are the numbers? How many people showed up uh, at the location? How many ballots were counted? Um, if it's a polling location that has paper ballots, um, if it's still being done, like a like a provisional, how many provisionals? Um, if there's a paper ballot, were there any spoiled ballots? Um, were there any ballots that became damaged for whatever reason and they had to do a duplicate ballot, which is where you have a Republican and Democrat look at the original damaged ballot, create a duplicate that actually runs through the machine so that the vote is counted. Now, these are very rare instances because a lot of the stuff now is machine voting uh, or computer voting. But, you know, having eyes on the process and making sure that there's full visibility uh, and transparency into the and, and being nice to the election workers. Let me just make sure I put that on the record. Thanks. Being nice to the election workers. Um, they are not your enemy. Um, you know, they can be one of your biggest friends to, to, to help you observe the process um, in a meaningful way. So always treat them with respect. Well, we think a lot of these election workers now are going to actually be, you know, MAGA. We've had thousands, tens of thousands of volunteers. People have gotten involved at that level. So obviously, even if it's a Democrat, you got to be polite. They're American citizens. So you got to yes. be polite. And like Bill said, they could be your biggest advocate. How do we... How do we avoid recounts? What, give us, I need McGinley's punch list to make sure that we win these fairly in advance. So we, if we get into the recount business, it's going to get into another morass. The way, right? you, the way you avoid recounts is to get more votes than the other guy, to put it away. It's outside the margin of the recount. Um, so that they they can't actually it's not eligible to file. I'll vote the money. I'll vote the algorithm. I'll vote the fraud. I'll vote. Everybody anything. looks at money. There's a number of different primaries or contests that campaigns go through: the consultant campaign, the money campaign. But the one that matters the most is the votes. Are the votes right? Um, people need to get out there and vote. You care? You, you worried about the change that needs to happen in this country? Vote the change. Make sure that your family and friends are showing up to the polls to vote the change. And then when you're done voting, go volunteer, right? 
That's the three-pronged plan for everybody out there. Vote, get your family and friends to vote that are like-minded, and then go volunteer for the campaigns of the county parties that you support. So own your vote or vote the change. Then be a force multiplier. You're a force multiplier in two ways. Number one, get 10 family and friends, and particularly people that are low-propensity voters. Yes. That's what's so critical about these midterms. Yes. And the third is then volunteer and go be an active member of a poll worker, a poll watcher, elections, whatever. I'm... I'm dating myself. 2004, right? President Bush's reelect, running against John Kerry. John Kerry had his turnout models, and they thought if we hit these numbers, we're going to win this election. You know, Bob Schrum, who was one of his main consultants, famously called him Mr. President at one point during the night. Hold because, on, not, not during the night. It was when the when the when the uh, uh, exit polls came in at four thirty yeah. five o'clock in the afternoon. He turned to him, shook his hand, said, "Mr. President, yeah. we've had a good day." They thought they had hit their numbers Big time. and exceeded them. And then they were shocked to learn that they lost. Why? The RNC at the time was, and the, and the Bush campaign was running something called the 72-hour program, which was nothing. It's a very simple program. You get the most powerful force in politics are family and friends contacting family and friends, urging them to vote uh, and to get out the vote. And why was that so effective? Because not only, you know, most campaigns will look at the um, high registration numbers in a certain precinct and say, we got to drive up the numbers here. But where you really get the numbers going is if you look at the Democratic precincts and you look at them and you pull out those Republican votes in that Repu- in that Democratic precinct. That's how you really start to juice the numbers for, for your candidate. And it's what really puts you over the top. Why? Because the other side's not looking at it. They're not thinking about it. And it's the type of micro-targeting uh, that campaigns are really starting to do. Republican voters are all over the country, whether it's a Republican precinct or a Democratic precinct, and none of those voters should be neglected. They should all be contacted and urged to get out and vote, especially if they're a low propensity voter. Any other uh, words of wisdom? We got about three or four minutes here, and people have been waiting for you to come for a long time. Any, any other words of wisdom? And, and where do you, given where the country is, what the uh, <clears throat> issue set is, what you've seen of people's focus, uh, where do you think we are? I think Republicans um, are poised to take the House. It's a question of margin. Um, my personal expectation, uh, not based on any data, is that we're probably going to end up with a margin uh, around. Uh, 25 to 35, mm-hmm. based on the polling. The caveat is how wrong That's, pollsters... S- Stefanik is about 35. Boris yeah. is a little more 50. We're a little more aggressive, obviously, in the world. Yeah. 25 to 35 is the range right now. People are There's thinking. only two reasons why yep. I come in at 25 to 35, but I hope it's higher, and I think it has the chance to go higher. Um, number one, how the misses in the polling. Polling has just been wrong since 2012. Um, number two, the number of competitive seats in America has dropped dramatically. Dramatically, in 2000, it was around 90 plus. In tw- after 2010 census, it was about 50 plus. Now it's about 33, 34. Be- because of the parents' rights thing, that's what, it's making D plus eights. It's yes. things that Biden get. This is why Connecticut two, Connecticut five, the two in New Hampshire, R- Rhode Island the two, New York. Yeah. We're competitive there because of different issue sets driving that. Correct. That's correct. And the other thing, you know, uh, everybody's putting out the national polls. The national poll is nothing but a mood ring, right? right? It's a mood ring of the country. Um, It can be good for trends, but it's the polls within the states for the Senate races, within the districts for the congressional districts. Um, And if you look at a lot of the competitive districts, the Democratic numbers are worse. uh, On on the night, we're going to obviously talk to you between now and then, but on the the evening of the 8th, to, to get to a definition of a Bill McGinley red wave, what is the one race you're looking at in the country that give, that tells that Bill McGinley says, I think we got something here? 
I got to give you a couple just because I'm a lawyer and I'm always going to take that personal privilege. Um, Number one, New Hampshire Senate. I think uh, General Bolduc versus uh, Senator Maggie Hassan. I think that if uh, General Bolduc is able to uh, take that seat, I think that's an indication of a pretty big red wave. Um, Number two, look at the New York races, um, the Virginia races. Rhode Island Virginia two. two and seven. Yep. Yep. I mean, if we're looking at those and those are coming in Republican, we're going to know early what type of night it is, I believe. Because Virginia closes at seven. You're going to say right of the box, you're going to see Virginia two and seven, Spanberger and Lurie, where those two stand. Yeah. <clears throat> That'll give you an indication, you think, where the country's going. Yeah. And then, of course, later into the night, early morning, you know, everybody's watching the Oregon gubernatorial race. We've got a real shot out there. Um, also, Tiffany Smiley in Washington big, State, big. Uh, whether we can take that. Nevada and Arizona are both trending in the right direction in terms of the Senate. Uh, the governor's races feel really good. I think Carrie Lake is a breakout candidate um, this cycle and doing a terrific job. Um, you know, we'll obviously be watching Colorado with Bennett and, yeah. and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, we got about 30 seconds. How do your getter account is magnificent? How do people get to you on social media? Um, getter is at McGinley WJ at McGinley WJ. You on Twitter also? Uh, I am. And that's WJ McGinley. Are you are spicy on Twitter as you're on getter? No, I I primarily (laughs) post on getter, um, just because I think it's an important audience. And, and I like to just put out some of the things that I think are interesting, uh, and that folks should be aware of. Fantastic. Bill McGinley. Thank you for taking your Saturday coming in here. The great Bill McGinley has joined us. He is the, um, he's the ballast. He's the steady Eddie, right? No hair on fire with this guy. Okay, short commercial break. We got uh, Surgeon General Florida coming up top of the hour. Surgeon General Dr. Latipo about what's happening. Greg Price going to join us on the Nancy Pelosi situation, and we're going to Michigan. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Difficult to imagine at all that Republicans would subscribe to whatever new scheme is dreamed up by Trump and his lackeys. That will have lasting damage, though. And perhaps no other state embodies everything that is at stake, including democracy itself than Arizona, one of the most important battleground states this year. There have already been reports filed right here in Maricopa County regarding unauthorized people, some of whom were masked. Take a look at these pictures. Masked and armed, keeping watch of ballot drop boxes in America, which has raised concerns, obviously, about political intimidation. Incidents like this could have a major impact beyond Arizona's borders. The Senate race between the Democratic incumbent Mark Kelly and the Republican Blake Masters is one of the most competitive races anywhere in the country this year. And the outcome of that race will help determine control of the Senate. Blake Masters is one of the most ardent election deniers and Trump supporters in the country, even in a state that is full of election deniers and Trump supporters. According to The Washington Post, all but one of the Republican candidates running for office here this election year is an election denier. 
That includes all three of the Republican Party's Trump-endorsed nominees for the state's top positions. The gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, who's like a Ph.D. in uh, election lying. The state secretary of state, uh, the secretary of state nominee, Mark Fincham, and the attorney general nominee, Abe Hamaday. Hamaday is running for office for the first time. He also continues to deny that Joe Biden legitimately won the 2020 election, something that was proved over and over again, something uh, sometimes referencing the false and debunked claims made in a conspiracy theory film, 2000 mules, which I guarantee you, you don't have enough time in your life to watch. Beyond that, he's also explicitly said that he would not have signed off on the results of the 2020 election if he were the attorney general in charge that year. Listen to what they tell you. Joining me is... By the way, are we officially, semi-officially Trump lackeys? Okay, there you see it right there. And here's what's really the disgusting part of this. It's MSNBC, so it's obviously all disgusting. Um. And the reason we played the MSNBC, and I realized when we first started doing the cold opens, people were coming, yeah, I can't stand hearing Rachel Maddow's voice. I can't stand Morning Mika or Morning Joe or all this. It, and now people love it. Reason is that we want to make sure you understand how the apparatus views you and what they think the, um, the softness is, the angles of attack, right, so that we can, you know, counter-program it. Right there, what's so bad about Brother Velchi is that this is, he says, unauthorized people, unauthorized people, and makes it seem like a federal judge yesterday, a federal judge said what the folks out there were doing is perfectly okay. They were away from where the places were. They were in camis, yes. They were open carry because Arizona's an open carry state. What they were doing was fine. He says, hey, the reason I can't shut it down, it would go against the, wait for it, Constitution. This is not voter intimidation. Uh, what? But I got to tell you, I don't think you've seen a lot of mules show up, right? Let me be blunt to MSNBC. Joe Biden is not legitimate. He did not win the 2020 presidential election. We can show you the math. Velchi, if you want to come over, we'll take time and walk you through it in detail. You notice they never come back with any details. It's all these smears, all these defamatory smears. And they defame Kerry Lake and they defame Mark Fincham and they defame Abe Hamaday. And these people have very little money. But now there's a poll out the other day that shows Kerry Lake up. It's a Fox poll. That shows Kerry Lake up 11 points. Now, I don't think Kerry Lake's up 11 points, but I think there's a big spread between Kerry Lake and Katie Hobbs. MSNBC, and I want everybody out there that's African-American, that's a uh, Hispanic, that's a young person in college, a social justice warrior, a Bernie bro, a union member, uh, a, a liberal college professor, anybody, anybody that's a Democrat, or if you have friends that, make sure they understand something. MSNBC led you by the nose down to the destruction of the Democratic Party. They were a platform of misinformation about every topic. And they picked out pretty early on it's going to be this end of democracy, end of democracy, insurrection. The American people are not buying that. Every poll number shows us that. They led you down the wrong issue set. And they promoted people and coddled people. They coddled Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs and this is not me saying this. This is this is Democrats. You know, the Axelrods, these smart people saying Katie Hobbs is the worst candidate in this cycle at any level. And clearly not the person should be taking on uh, should not be taking on um, Carrie Lake. Katie Hobbs ran, I think, unopposed or virtually unopposed. Right. She got ninety nine for some huge number of the primary. 
Why did that happen? MSNBC. MSNBC made her the patron saint, right? The patron saint of, uh, of their big lie that Trump did not win. She was like a contributor. People have to understand, Rachel, you know, there's no conspiracies, but there's also no coincidences. Rachel Maddow, back in the early days of, uh, of the Biden thing, the early days, said she wanted to spend more time with her family. She understood what was going to happen on November 8th. She understood that, this, that the spin, the misinformation of MSNBC, the Biden administration, their malfeasance, their incompetence, their illegitimacy would all come home to roost. As we converge in on November 8th, remember, it is the most important midterm election since 1862. The 1862 midterm changed the direction of this nation. That's when the Civil War went to a whole different level. It was a different deal after the 1862 election. Okay, and uh, it changed the course of this country. That is what we have the possibilities to do on November 8th. We have the possibility to destroy the Democratic Party as a national political institution, all the way from school boards up to the House and the Senate. And they know that that's where they're getting more desperate. That's where they're getting angrier. That's where they're 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 striking out now. Okay, so it's going to be plenty crazy. Lots of cray cray between now and the evening of the 8th. But the war room posse can handle it. The MAGA movement can handle it. The America first, the populist nationalist movement in this country that has saved this nation. Yes, that's what it did. It saved this nation. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to be back. We're going to Florida. The great Surgeon General in the free state of Florida, Dr. Joseph Latipo from Harvard, will join us next. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 
100,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.